Hello, South fans, and welcome back to the latest episode of Shrews Views here at the Shropshire Starwell, where we'll be talking all things Shrewsbury as Matt Taylor's men made it two unbeaten with a late goal at Cambridge. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about more injuries, a new chief executive in the building, all with the expertise and knowledge of the main man, Ollie Westbury. Oliver, how are you? Another weekend? Another decent-ish I'm right, result? Mate. I'm all right. It's good to have you back, Johnny. Where have you been all my life? Two, two or three podcasts with Judah, giving away microwaves. Oh, yeah, you get nothing with me. You Bread get nothing bins. You're tight, aren't you? No, I'm tight, mate. You get nothing with me. Unless it's Christmas, you get nothing <laughs> with me. But, um, yeah, you get, you get nothing with me and a, le- and a less flamboyant presenter as well. But uh, hopefully hopefully some good uh, some good sub chat. And delighted as well to be joined by uh, Jack Groom, who runs the Shrewsbury, uh, Shrewsbury Analysis Twitter page. Um, Shrewsbury fan, Jack. Good to have you with us. Are you well? Thanks for having me, gents. Very well, thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Looking forward to chatting about good stuff. Of, it's, good, also. it's good to have a guest on when we're talking about. Well, we had the win and obviously a draw. Not the not the worst result in the world on Saturday. So we've got at least some positive uh, positive talk. But I'll I'll start with you, mate. Um, I watched the highlights of the game and listened to it on on the, well, listened to the reaction. No, you didn't. On, you didn't. You didn't radio watch that, that, on the way that. back. It's called that goal, isn't it? That bloody goal, Christ. <laughs> we will. We'll come on to that goal in a second. But just judging from the, the sort of reaction, sounded like a game where Salah had a few chances, not a lot on target, not the best display, but probably a, a valuable point in the end. Is that a, a fair reflection? Yeah, I think so. Well, just just firstly, like to welcome Jack. Um, it's good to have good to have you with us, mate. Um, yeah, I think so. Um, I I thought I thought first half. I, I thought they were probably slightly better. They had two really clear-cut chances, one through Michael Morrison from a set-piece and one where they hit down on the counter-attack, got it wide, pulled it back, and I think it was Lancaster who then smashed it against the bar. And they were the only two real clear-cut chances of the game at all, really, in the first half, sorry. Um, Town, you know, they looked a little bit more threatening from set-pieces. I asked Matt Taylor about that last week, to be honest, that... You know, they've been, they've, been, they've struggled a little bit from set plays this year. Obviously, it was a it, it was a something that they were really, really successful from last year under Steve Cottrell, and they're not quite managed to hit those levels yet this year. But they looked quite threatening from them at the weekend, and they went close with a few goal-mouth scrambles early doors. But then the game followed a similar pattern for Shrewsbury as it felt like it has done for the first 12 league games, really. You know, kind of a lot of huff and puff, but, you know, not really getting anywhere. Um, I thought they were better after half-time. Um, and I thought the first 15 minutes after the break were probably their brightest of the of the game. Then I mean they scored. Then then they scored, didn't they? But to be fair, they showed a real, you know, maybe the fact that Shrewsbury have turned a corner was the resilience that they showed. <clears throat> Just simply because, you know, against Stevenage that's happened where they've they've been in the game and then they've gone behind and then they've kind of capitulated and at no stage ever looked like getting back into it. But that was that wasn't really the case. You you, you felt like there was a belief within the players that they could get back into that game on Saturday um, and they did late on and then it was great scenes to see Taylor Perry get his first goal in a town shirt and you know um, it was good it's good isn't it to back up the win I mean I do think Cambridge were poor I don't think they were particularly good and you know with the, the difficult fixtures Shrewsbury have got coming up you might look back at that in a few games time and think you know a game against Cambridge away is a game that we really should be winning but you know we take a point and move on Taylor didn't seem too disappointed with it so yeah we move. Yeah, I suppose beggars can't be choosers at the moment. Jack, from a fan's point of view, what what was going through your head when you saw that that calamitous goal where the the centre half waltzed through the the defence? It's a uh, it's one way you're sort of tearing your hair out, I'm sure. 
Oh, honestly, I mean, I, I take it this is a family-friendly show, so I probably can't speak <laughs> exactly yeah. what I was thinking. But, yeah, it's, it's just horrific, isn't it? Like, I know that from the Cambridge perspective, I'll say it was a great goal, but from our perspective, wow, it's... I, I can't remember... Well, I can't remember a worse goal we conceded in recent times, put it that way. It's just absolutely shambolic. It was like something off Sunday League. Thankfully, it didn't cost us everything. Um, but, yeah, it wasn't great at all. No, it's... Uh... Yeah, it's, in, just, it's interesting. You, you know, can almost about, see what's going to happen as he kept going forward. You're like, he's not going to stop it. it. It's interesting the goal because I feel like that that the way that we conceded kind of shaped everybody's view on the game. You know, everybody was kind of like, oh, we're playing all right here, we're doing okay, and then we conceded <clears> a horrific goal, and it felt like then everybody just completely fell apart in terms of. You know what was actually go, what had actually happened, and actually up to that point, town had not been great, but had not been particularly bad either. It was just a a terrible goal. And one of the journalists asked Matt Taylor after the game. He said, um, "You know why was it so bad?" And he just said, "Somebody should have just tackled him." <laughs> and it's like, well, <laughs> well they tried, but they just missed it. Well, yeah, someone's yeah. someone's got to hack him down, haven't they? <laughs> Um, someone's got to hack him down, but yeah, I mean, it was it was pretty um, pretty bad, wasn't it? Yeah, bad. just want to talk about some individual displays. Jason Serrara came in um, at the back, someone who hasn't played an awful lot of football for Salop, um, all, and it sounds like, on the most part, he, he impressed. Um, what did you make of his performance? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure Jack will agree with me on this on this, but it was a surprise to see his name on the team sheet ahead of ahead of Joe Anderson. Um, I, I kind of just assumed that Joe Anderson would come back and get the nod. But, you know, after the game on Saturday, Matt Taylor explained that, you know, the, the brief cameo that he made against Northampton was a was an impressive one. I mean, Jason Schreyer, I mean, I, I kind of feel sorry to him, to him, for him, um, to some to some degree, because he spent an awful lot of time this season actually not making the match day 18. Um, and I asked Matt Taylor a few weeks about that, and he said that he's he's found himself like training at training at home when the the team are away, you know, on his own or w- with the coaching staff or and things like that. So I, I have felt sorry for him um, to a certain degree, and so it's great to see him get his opportunity, and it's great to see him take it. I thought he did very well. I thought he looked quite comfortable on the ball. He brought balance to the. I mean, it's not like they wouldn't have had balance anyway because Joe Anderson's a left-footed centre half, isn't it? But. Um, I thought he brought balance to the to the left side of the back three, and I thought he did pretty well. To be honest, to be honest with him, I thought he did well the week before, and I thought he did. He was probably one of the outstanding performers. What he does do is he brings a physicality as well. Um, you know, with his height, he's a big he's a big strapping lad. Um, and I got some quotes from Taylor Perry uh, at some point to be used this week that he apparently is somebody that you won't want to mess with. Um, it's what Taylor Perry said about him in his. Uh, in his post-match interview on Saturday, so yeah, really positive for Jason Schreyer and really pleased for him, and he managed to get to get some minutes and to and to kind of put in an impressive performance. And it looks like the place is his to keep now. Joe Anderson's going to have to work hard to get his place back in the team. Jason, if you do listen to Shrew's views, I'm sure you probably don't. I apologise, Ollie pronounced your second name correctly. I had a really bad go at it there. Um, just on that, Ollie, you know, I've seen some comments from Shrewsbury fans on sort of recruitment this this season. <clears> you know, saying that people like, you know. People like Shreya and other ones that they've signed who've been sort of around the fringes and maybe not g- good enough. The recruitment hasn't been great, but the fact that he's come in now, been given his chance, somewhat surprisingly, like you you say there, and has done well. Does that sort of breed a little bit of confidence for those other fringe players, thinking you know if I if a chance does become available, I'm going to get an opportunity and an opportunity to take it. 
Yeah, I think there's some players that Town have signed over the course of the summer that are not particularly players that they would expect it to have been regular starting players, but they're players that they, they want to have with them. They want to work with them on the training pitch and they have the raw abilities to be really good footballers. I mean, Jason Schreier, obviously at Barnsley last year, you know, um, I think he came through the system at Arsenal. I mean, Arsenal, that, could, yeah. that could be wrong, but obviously he's got footballing pedigree there, hasn't he? So, you know, I think he's a player that, you know, he's had terrible luck with injuries. So if he can keep himself fit, he's a player with immense potential, isn't he? Um, and, and some, not every player that you're going to sign, if you're going to sign 15 players, they can't all be guaranteed starters, can they? Because, well, you can only pick 11 for one. So it's interesting. I feel like Sabawale as well has got an awful lot of raw attributes that could make him a good footballer. Um, I think he's got a lot of pace and I feel like he makes a difference when he comes on. So I think those players are, they're kind of there to step in. I mean, what they have got this year that they didn't have last year, if we'd have had this many injuries last year, we would have been up the creek without a paddle um, because we just wouldn't have had, we'd have had, we'd have been picking the lads from the academy because we just wouldn't have had any depth whatsoever to cope with. It was it seven players we had out at the weekend. We just, you know, we never had that many players missing at that stage last season. So there is a little bit more depth, which, allow, which is allowing them to cope with the injuries. But it seems like a trend, isn't it, that Shrewsbury just constantly mm. just hampered by injury blows. Must be a curse on that Sundown Castle training ground. Um, Jack, from a fan's point of view, it must be frustrating. You know, I think it's probably like three years on the banks now we've been sitting here talking about injury crises and and, uh, and not enough players, you must be tearing your hair out as a as a supporter at times that sort of these things tend to go. I, I'm sure every fan of every club says when they get a few injuries, it's against us. But from a Shrewsbury point of view, there seems to be an injury crisis every season. Yeah, definitely. Especially the past couple of years, like you mentioned, obviously with uh, George Nurse, Dan Udo doing their ACLs last year. Dan, uh, sorry, George with his ACL again this year. It's just horrific luck for, for them individually more than anything. But then, of course, Selfishly, from a fan's perspective, you want to see your best players out on the pitch as well. So it certainly hampered us uh, from from that aspect. I think at the minute as well, it would probably be fair to say we don't actually know our best team, or we've maybe not had a chance to see our best team out on the pitch together. The likes of you know Ryan Finnegan came in, started a couple, got injured, came out again. Um, no one, no one, Kenner's dropped out of form and then come back into a bit of form. So there's not really been that chance to to kind of get that 11 out on the park and rubber stamp it as our first choice. Obviously, you've, you've mentioned some of the kind of so-called fringe players which have stepped in and done well. Jason Sra, um again, I was really impressed with him away at um, away at Cambridge at the weekend. I thought he did very well against Northampton the week before. I know Ollie obviously alluded to it being a surprise. And again, I was it was a pleasant surprise for me. I I would have picked him, but I thought that they would have gone back to kind of the the safety pick of Joe Anderson. So I was pleasantly surprised when I saw his name on the team sheet and I really hope he, he can. Um, kick on now and cement his place in that in that back three with obviously Feeney being out. You mentioned Sobawale as well. I think he's someone that fans are desperate to see given a go. Whenever he's come on, I know we've kind of been chasing games late on in his appearances, but he's done very well. He certainly made a difference on Saturday with that again that direct running um, from from right wing back, which is so crucial. And I think if we're if we're to have any success this season, our wing back is going to be a massive part of that. Carl Winchester will do a good job for us there because he's that kind of player but it's not his best position. We need him back in centre midfield and he's not going to be a wing-back that, that beats people, that gets to the byline, that puts crosses in. Whereas, yes, he might be a, a bit raw and might need a bit of coaching defensively, but I think Sabawale is someone that fans have really got behind and will, would really get behind if he was given a run as well because he gives us that directness um, and that, again, that just raw ability to try and 
get the team on the front foot, which we've been crying out for. So hopefully he can be given a go. Obviously we've got Elliot Thorpe coming back um, hopefully soon as well, which, which should be good and should help us out in that regard. But yeah, hopefully those players that again, probably, let's face it, they're probably not the most expensive players in the squad, but every fan likes to see a young lad given a go and, and, and kick on to become a, a regular starter. So hopefully that can become the case with both um, Jason and, and Tomisi as well. Yeah. Ollie, I want to talk about Tom Flanagan as well, because he's someone that's found his, himself out of the team um, earlier in the season. But he's come back in. You know, obviously, I know they conceded Saturday, but it was a clean sheet the week before. You know, it seems like he's gone away, you know, worked hard and, and, and ground his way back in like a, a proper professional footballer or with a, a good attitude would do. And that seems like something that will sort of stand Shrewsbury in, in good stead. How's he been in the, in, in the last sort of game or two? Um, steady. Thought he was pretty good against Northampton. Um, didn't notice him as much at the weekend. I know defenders are a weird one. You you don't want to notice them, don't you? For the for the vast majority, I find that's what you what's generally so good about Morgan Feeney is he's there. You don't get beaten very much, and he kind of don't do a lot wrong. Um, I feel like he looked more he looks more comfortable on the right side of the back three than he does on the left side. I know he plays out there. Um, I always find it slightly bizarre, but I suppose if you if you've not got a left-footed centre half available, then then you've got to pick what you've got. I mean, the, the thing about Flanagan is you feel like he's got a rash challenge in him, don't you? Like, I mean, that obviously he gave away the penalty against Northampton, which could could have cost the team that day, and he'd actually played pretty well, I thought, up to that point as well. Um, so he's he's doing he's doing okay. Obviously, he's kept Joe Anderson out of the team, who's probably not quite been playing at his best. Um, so yeah, he's doing okay. I, I, I kind of echo what Jack says about the wing backs. I think the wing backs are massive. I think when we get Jordan Shipley back, when we get, I think they've got really high hopes. From what I understand, they've got really high hopes for Elliot Thorpe. I think he's a quick. He's quick. <laughs> Elliot Thorpe is, is a really interesting character, by the way. He just kind of we were we went uh, to, to speak to Matt Taylor on on Thursday. And uh, normally you have to to ask Matt, don't you? Like you know what's going on with the injured players and. Elliot Thorpe just kind of wandered out to say hello to the Shrewsbury media staff and he shook everybody's hand and then I just went, oh, how are you doing? you close to being back? He went, yeah, 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 I'm back on the grass and I'm back running around. I was like, and I was thinking, you do know you're talking to a journalist. There's your story. <laughs> yeah. you? There's your story. So then when Matt Taylor comes out and you ask him how Elliot Thorpe's doing, he, he can't say, yeah, he's still on the bike. And I'm like, we know that's not true, Matt, because Elliot's just come out and told us that he's not. Um so yeah, that was quite that was quite funny. He seems like quite quite a personality actually. But I know they've got really high hopes for him um, in central mid. Um, sorry, not central midfield. In, in right right wing back. I know that you know he impressed in pre season. I feel like he, he's going to offer the team that directness that they need to kind of to offer. I mean, you're playing three five two. That's what they're playing, aren't they, at the moment? You know, the slight variations to it. But your wing backs are what offer you your threat, don't they? And probably. Like you say, Carl Winchester is a very solid option, and he never lets you down. Um, and it, but probably there are options that he'd be better suited in midfield. Basically, and Mal Benning's pretty good defensively, but as far I reckon, he's a he's a left back. Um, he can defend, and he defends okay. Um, but going forward, he doesn't offer us much of an outlet down that left side. Yeah, just a couple more points on uh, on Cambridge before we we talk about some some off field. Um, stuff. There's still that sort of lack of, of cutting edge from the front line. Like we said there, that Salah had chances on on Saturday, not necessarily all on target. Um, you know, I don't think anyone can question Dan Udo um, and the the sort of quality he brings. But all it seems like Salah is still lacking that 
proper cutting edge up there. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, we're not exactly creating an absolute boatload of chances for these strikers to miss, in fairness. It's not like they're missing sitters every week and they just can't score. I mean, when the chances that we get, we get in, you know, they're kind of, we, you know, it's not a free-flowing move and we get the ball out wide, we put a cross in and it's just sat there waiting for them to just smash it home. We're not we're not getting in that those positions. So it is, I feel like the strikers are taking a bit of stick for it. Um, Dan Udo obviously knows where the net is. He's done it at this level before. He's been there, got the T-shirt. He doesn't look to us to have any ill effects from his ACL injury that he picked up last year, you know, 12 games in. He looks as if he's doing okay, touch wood, for the moment. Um, so, you know, he's pretty much a guaranteed starter. And, and and then you've got the other three kind of rotating. I know they had the town had huge high hopes for Kieran, Kieran Phillips. I almost called him Killian then. What an error that would have been um, for Kieran Phillips. Um, and he's probably not quite hit, hit his best form as of yet. Um, I know that he has had to be managed, but he's but he's not quite hit his best form as of yet. So that just reminds me, actually, I've got a story I need to write on Kieran Phillips. I asked Matt Taylor about him last week. Um, I forgot about that, <laughs> so I'll do that. But yeah, what what is missing for, for Phillips? Is he just a little bit off off the pace, or is it just things aren't quite running for him? Or you know, can you put your finger on it? Yeah, so without completely ruining the story, uh, effectively, when he was signed from Huddersfield, he was signed under the conditions that he suffered a really bad injury and he cannot play. So he had to be phased back. So Taylor actually said himself, if it was up to him, he would have started him straight away. Yeah. He would have got him game time. But he's not really played that much and he had to, he had to be phased in for him because of the injury. So I think he had to play like four thirty minutes to start with. And that was part of the deal of signing him that he had to be phased into it. Um, so I feel like he's, he struggled to find any sort of rhythm. And I suppose when you're constantly being protected like this and told that, you know, after 60 minutes, you're going to be hooked off or, you know, you can't come on until the 60th minute because, you know, we're trying to phase you in. I mean, that must be hard to get your head around as a player. Um, but he did well at Morecambe last year. Um, I think it was Morecambe, wasn't it? It was Morecambe. I'm not yeah. losing my mind. Um, he did well at Morecambe last year. So, you know, I'm hoping for for um, I still haven't ruled him out yet. It's early days. It, we're still yeah. only 12 games in. It's really, really early days. It's October. It's the middle of October. There is so long to go in this season. Uh, know, we're just going to have to wait and see how it, how it pans out. Yeah, it is early days. I heard someone talking on the radio the other day. I think if Salah would have won, at Cambridge, they'd gone up to something like 13th, but the draw took them back down to 18th. So it is really early days. Um, Jack, I'm just going to come to you there. Ollie mentioned, we talked strikers, and Ollie mentioned sort of, it's not like they're creating a bucket load of chances. Um, one of the main creators, you know, playmaker Tom Bayliss, doesn't seem to have maybe hit the heights of, of last season. Is he sort of maybe suffering with the the absence of, of maybe a couple of other players? I know we had a really good link up with Jordan Shipley when they come in last season, you know, knowing each other very well. What have you made of his, uh, his season so far? Um, yeah, I think it'd be fair to say it's been a pretty disappointing start for Tom. Um, I know he scored against Burton in what, the third or fourth game of the season, something like that. Um, you kind of hope that would be the springboard to allow him to kick on. He does seem like a confidence player. You know, I don't I don't know Tom personally, uh, but he does very much seem like the player that when he gets on a roll, he gets more confident and his output then starts to increase in terms of goals and assists and involvement and things like that. 
Um, but yeah, I think it would be fair to say that his his form hasn't been what he would want it to be, first and foremost, and then not what fans would want it to be as well. I think he's such an important player for us, Tom Bayliss. If if we get a, a firing Tom Bayliss, we are instantly a better team. If he's not firing on the flip side of that, and we've already mentioned wing-backs and kind of the um, issues we've had with those so far this season, then our offensive output decreases massively already. So, I mean, listen, everyone knows what Tom Bayless is about and knows that on his day, he's one of the best players in League One. I think it was £2 million he went for to Preston a few years ago. That doesn't happen without that potential being there. Fans were very excited when we brought him in and we saw last season again in in patches, I'll say, because he's the kind of player that will pop up with a goal and assist and then in another game be anonymous and not really be seen. Um, so I don't think fans have given up on him. I've certainly not given up on him, but I think, again, he's someone that can still increase his levels from, from what we've seen so far this season. Hopefully when his good mate Jordan Shipley comes back as well, that will help. Obviously, the little shipless link up on the left-hand side um, has yielded many goals for us and hopefully that will that will prove to be the case again when, when Shipley is back, hopefully not too long away. Shipless, I like that. It's a very good... Uh, yeah, yeah I've trademarked that one. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. It's just just quickly, it's, it's interesting about the Tom Bayliss stuff because... I feel as though it, part of it is Matt Taylor's job to get the best out of him. You know, it's, I don't want to keep dragging it back to last year, but 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 Steve did get the best out of Tom Bayliss, didn't he? He he kind of worked with him, and you know, whether it was a bit of tough love or whatever it was, it, it, and that and that is the job of the coach, isn't it? It's to get the best out of and coach the players that you've got and get the best out of them, and and I suppose that is the challenge now for Matt Taylor. He's got a player who's obviously gifted, and when Tom Bayliss plays well. I mean, I thought he was better on Saturday at Cambridge. I thought he did he did pretty well. I thought he carried the ball well at times and he and he got town up the pitch, which is what he does. He runs with the ball, doesn't he? He's one of those players. Um so you, I, I, I just I, I just suppose I look at it and think, you know, this is this this is a great opportunity for Matt Taylor, who's got a player who's probably not quite hit the levels that he would like to yet this season. But, you know, he can work with him to to help him rediscover that form and it's almost a way that he can show off his coaching. Yeah, no, absolutely. Final question. I'm going to come to, to both of you in turn. I'll start with you, Ollie. Matt Taylor's, a lot of his sort of post-match interviewers regarding, you know, he thinks Shrewsbury are getting better or improving. And that's going to be my question to you. Matt Taylor says Shrewsbury getting better. What do you think? Are they improving? I think results have improved, which is clear. Um, I don't think... If we're talking about performances, I don't think we played particularly well against Northampton. We just kind of won one nil. Um, and me and Nathan talked about it last week on the podcast that you could say, you could argue, you know, that it papered over the cracks. Um, I feel like I'm not necessarily sure I, I, I kind of agree with that. But like I've said on several occasions, that eventually, if you keep performing at a certain level, your results will eventually will we'll, we'll come to that level. I would say, you know, I think it's a really difficult question. Are they, are Shrewsbury improving? So results have improved. I still think we need to see more from them in the final third. You know, there have been games where they've created lots and lots of chances. There have been. But there's also been games where they haven't and they haven't looked like scoring. And I suppose they are very good. They seem to be a very good side out of possession. They defend pretty well. Um, and, you know, they're going to try and win a lot of games 1-0 this season. 
Um, but we we need. I still feel that we need to see more from them in open play or from. We just need to see a consistent goal avenue. And at the moment, I just I, I still look at the side and I just don't know. You know, we played Derby on Saturday, and I'm thinking, well, where are we going? How are we going to score a goal? You know, I know we kind of scored from a goal mouth scramble on Saturday, but we weren't. You know, we had we had chances, but we just lacked conviction around the area. I mean, there was one t- there was one moment where Dan Udo got to the byline and he pulled the ball back to Tamisi Sabawale, and he could have shot from like eight yards out, and I think he tried to pass it back to Dan, and they're the moments that, and, and in the end, we've not even had a shot. We've got into an absolutely brilliant position and not even ended up getting a shot off, and we had that the same the week before against Northampton. I mean. You know, Kieran Phillips went through one-on-one with a goalkeeper and you thought, oh, here's, the, here's his moment. And the defender then gets back and gets goal side. And again, we've gone from being one-on-one with a keeper and we've not got a shot away. And there was another instance with when the ball came into the box with Bowman and he looked as if for six yards out, he was going to tap it home and somehow he ended up going out for a, for a corner. And, and I think they're, they're the moments that there got into some brilliant positions and like on three occasions there and we've not even had a shot at goal. Um, yeah. And those are the moments that I suppose that that they they need more conviction uh, around the edge of the 18-yard box. I don't know what you think, Jack. Yeah, what's it yeah. like from the stands, Jack? In terms of you know, it's probably a different perspective, but you know, yes, results are turning. Great to have a win, you know, four points from two games. But are you seeing any sort of sign of improvement in the in the displays? If you'd have asked me after, um, I think it was the Charlton game, I'd have said yes, definitely, yes. That, I know that was quite. a Played well that day, didn't we? Yeah, we did. We, we did well. And for, for me, something that I'm big on is seeing that identity and how a team wants to play. If you can see that, it won't always work because, you know, we're not the biggest and best team in the, in the league. But if you can see an identity and you can see that players know how we want to play, that's half the battle. Against Northampton, I, again, being honest, I couldn't see how we were going to score. I actually sent a text about ironically about 30 seconds before we did score saying we will not score today in a month of Sundays which shows how much I know um but that was it was the Northampton game for me was worrying because especially second half I, I couldn't see what we were trying to do I don't think the players could see what we were trying to do thankfully we did get a goal away and you know you could argue that there's games earlier on in the season where we didn't score and we could have done and should have done you think games like Charlton like Lincoln so it probably does balance itself out on the whole I know Matt Taylor alluded to it after the game on Saturday against Cambridge, saying that we would have lost that game a month ago. And yeah, but I would probably agree with that. When I saw that we'd gone behind against Cambridge, I kind of, I wouldn't say I resigned myself to a defeat, but it's like we've not had that this season of coming back from behind to get to get anything. So with the fact that we did is an encouragement. Um, so you could say on one hand, that's a positive. You look back at games like Charlton, like Leighton Orient, where the results weren't there, but the performances were, that is an encouragement as well. It's just the pieces together now we're having an improved performance and a goal return to show so to answer your question i'll go yes just but not convincingly um but yeah we've, we've just got to start putting all the pieces together now to try and get a get a return that will see us move up the table hopefully ollie um We've seen Saab add a free agent in the last few days. Aaron Pierre, former, well, returning, former shoot time player, returning back to the, the Craig Meadow, um, announced before the game on Saturday. I'm sure it's looking everyone by surprise. Came as a free agent. Uh, I think he's been free agent since the summer. Uh, just briefly, what have, you, what have you made of that one? Is he going to feature much or is it just a case of covering bases if uh, the crisis deepens? 
Uh, what have I made of that one? I don't really know what I make of that one. Um, what I'm more interested in is that if if we're open to free agents, that are we going to try and sign a midfielder? Because that's where we need a player. We don't need another centre half. We got loads. Um, and we've got other people that can play in that area. I suppose that's what interests me more. It's like, well, if, if, if we're looking at the free agent market, you know, on Saturday, if you'd have picked Sobawali at right wing back, um, sorry, I, I didn't know who was going to play alongside. I, I was surprised to see Brandon Fleming playing in central midfield. I didn't know who was going to play alongside Winchester. If Taylor Perry hadn't been fit, I thought, who else have we got that can play in midfield? We've got two. We've got two midfielders there, and Tom Bayliss is more of a number ten than a midfielder. And I thought to myself, we are desperately, desperately short. When I ask Matt Taylor about, you know, all your injuries are in the same place, he kind of starts laughing and smiling and like, yeah, I know it's terrible, isn't it? But I suppose I would have thought that if Tanner looking in the free agent market, they need a midfielder. You know, I mean, that's only my opinion. Um, so. I don't know. I'm not. I don't. I don't really particularly expect him to feature all that much. Um, but I suppose you know. I imagine. I don't know when he last played, but I imagine they're going to spend two or three weeks building up his fitness. I would expect probably more. Yeah. No. It's um, certainly interesting. One, Jack, as a fan's point of view, someone who's seen Pierre play an awful lot, was it a bit of a bit of a shock to see that announcement on Saturday? Um, it properly caught me off guard. Yeah, I, I won't lie to you. <laughs> Again, like I say, I thought I'd gone the time machine back to 2019. <laughs> I don't think anyone saw that coming. Even if you had a crystal ball, you wouldn't have seen that one coming. Um, it's one of them that obviously the injury to Morgan Feeney's there. Um, the cover's on. Obviously, Taylor's played with Pierre. He knows what he can do. We've seen him play. We know what he can do. Um, admittedly, it's been a while since he's done what he can do. And the fact that he was a free agent having last played in League Two probably isn't the. Um, the biggest benefit to him and the biggest kind of glowing endorsement of his recent form. But he's a body, you know, Taylor's vouched for his character and it's one of them. If if we are winning late on and you need to chuck someone on just to defend a few long balls into the box and probably who better than Aaron Pierre, him and Shea Dunkley, you'd imagine wouldn't lose many headers between the two of them. Can I see him playing regularly? No, but he's there if we need him, I suppose. Yeah. Ollie, um, just before we, we talk questions, a look at Derby um, announcement. Yesterday, Shrewsbury have confirmed that Liam Dooley has been appointed as the new chief executive officer of the club. Um, they've been out without one for five months since Brian Caldwell left the club uh, back in May. Dooley's worked at Sh- uh, Sheffield Wednesday for the past four years, worked as commercial director before being promoted to chief operating officer. Um, and now he comes in. He spoke about being passionate with communication, look, looking forward to working with fans and supporters groups, um, which I'll, I'll talk to you about in a second, Jack. But in terms of this appointment, is this out of the blue or is this something that Shrewsbury have sort of been working on for quite a while or because it all sort of went went quiet, sort of, you know, Brian Caldwell left in. In May, and we've had different appointments, haven't we, in different positions, but not a, a chief executive. Is this one being sort of in the works for a while? I think Ronan Witchley actually said in his statement that he's been he's, that he'd been chasing uh, Liam Dooley for a while. So I suppose that answers your question. Um, I mean, it's 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 a step in the right direction, I would say. Um, from what I understand, from a fan's perspective, I gather that there's been, you know, um, a real lack of kind of 
clarity and communication from the top down ever since Brian left. I think Brian used to he used to hold fan parliaments. He used to kind of speak to the supporters parliament. He used to speak to fans. He used to respond to direct emails from fans. And since he's left, that is not something that's happened. I mean, you know, there's lots of talk about an overspend in the budget and things like that. And, you know, who do you ask that? Even from a journalist point of view, it's like, who do you ask that question to? You know, you can't ask Mickey Moore about the overspend in the budget in any detail because he wasn't there when it happened. So there's no one to point the questions at. I mean, there's still no one to point the questions at from what's happened, what's gone by. But it's a step in the right direction so that someone now is going to be. And I don't know how much of a footballing background he's got in terms of where he's what, what footballing pedigree. But in terms of it seems as though he's got a real commercial, you know, a commercial background. Uh, and I've seen some of the work that he's doing at, done at Sheffield Wednesday in terms of, you know, state-of-the-art floodlights, infrastructure, fan zones, all of those kinds of things that, you know, hopefully he can come and bring to town. All I see from the fans is something about a scoreboard being broken or something. And I always see him on Twitter saying, when are we going to get that fixed? So I suppose there's there's things like that. I mean, there's the ticketing issues at town, you know, where sometimes fans are missing the start of games because, you know, the queues you know, so I imagine it'll be think those will be jobs that he will look at and think, well, what, I can make small marginal gains here and I can get the fans on, on, on the side. And I thought it was really important that he said in there that, you know, that he's a passionate communicator because, you know, that is what he, I imagine he will be being brought in to do. He will be being brought in to speak to the fans so that if they have grievances, if they want to know what's going on at their football club, they have somebody to point questions at and somebody to ask. Yeah. Is it from a point of view, your point of view as well? There is someone there now who, you know, do you expect to, I know it's very early, he was only announced yesterday, but is it someone you're expecting to, you know, like Brian Caldwell did in the past, talk to the press, you know? And I suppose as well, he's he's not not hung his hat on, but that statement talks a lot about communication. I suppose now it's about sort of backing that up and, and speaking with, he talked about the media, he talked about the fans as well. So yeah. it's all the right the right noises, I suppose. I think it's keeping an eye yeah. on now what happens in the next m- weeks, months. I would say the communication with the fans uh, is, well, I suppose you communicate with the fans via the media, don't you, to, to a certain degree. But but I know that the fans feel um, very kind of let down. I mean, uh, Jack, you're, it's probably best to bring you in here. But from, from what I understand is, is that the fans feel quite kind of let down by the fact that, you know, for five months, there's questions that they want answers to and there's nobody to provide them. Yeah, hugely. And again kind of on the wider issue of, of football club communication to fans you know especially for a club the um size of ourselves where it is you know a smaller a smaller club in comparison to some the, the football club is um is a massive part of of our lives as fans so it's something that we're keen to get an insight on anyway if things were running smoothly i think it's fair to say this year for Shrewsbury town hasn't been the smoothest so in those circumstances we're even more desperate to, to find out, not find out what's gone on, because obviously I think we all respect that there's some degree of confidentiality that goes on with certain issues that have arisen within the club. Um, but it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's feeling like you're being heard. It's feeling like you've got a voice as the people that turn up every week, regardless of how results are performing on the pitch. It's that if you want to feel valued, especially at a club like Shrewsbury Town, fans want to feel valued and like they've got someone to not vent to, but discuss the smaller issues, you know, toilet seats they were an issue for years and they got sorted eventually but it was half the issue with that was the longer it went on people didn't have anyone to even vent about it too so it was like we're not being heard here 
when we don't support Manchester United, there's not thousands and thousands of us. There's a few, admittedly, and we feel like we we attend that often, and we the club is that close to us and our hearts that we want to be able to make our opinions known to just make it a better experience for everybody, really. And it's like if you feel like you're being heard, that that is half the battle. You know, the communications that came out um, from I think from from Pete Brophy not long after he was appointed. Again, it was an informative article that to us as fans just gives us a bit of an insight into into the people that we're trusting to run our club first and foremost, but also into like I say those those goings on behind the scenes, you know, Mickey Moore came out and did an interview as well about a month or so ago. And again, that was, I won't say it was music to fans ears because there was still some concerns within that. We just want to be told what, what's going on in essence. And, you know, when Brian was here, it was a case of emailing about asking why we don't have chips in the concourse and stuff like that. And it's just little things. You mentioned the scoreboard there. It's just little things, which as a club, we want, we're proud of our club. We want it to be displayed in the best way possible. Again, you mentioned the scoreboard. It just looks a bit, and to coin a cricket term, which I'm sure Ollie will be familiar with, it just looks a bit village. You know, you've got, you've got a scorecard that, uh, scoreboard, sorry, that, three uh, two thirds of it works and a third doesn't it's just we want to be able to say is this being fixed if it's not because there's an issue that means it can't be perfect but just just tell us that so hopefully with this again he's made the right noises in this interview and it's i think fans are really or they're certainly hoping that it will be an improvement on the communications that have come out from the past few months certainly and just knowing who you can voice your concerns to if if you do have any basically yeah no, it's a, it's a really interesting to get a sort of fans perspective of that. Um, right, time for a little shout out for our um, sponsor, Kettle and Toaster Man. That's the sponsor at Fort Shrewsbury. They sponsor all our podcasts here at M&A Media. They've got some great products in their store in Briley Hill. Or if you want to head over to Kettle and Toaster Man, uh, uk, you can spend hours on there finding some fantastic deals on great products. Uh, right, we've got a couple of questions. Um, Ollie, we've had one from Salop Dutch Corner, who's been throwing some figures at us, not quite sure where these figures have come from. Um, how do you think Pierre fits into the new club direction of reducing the average age of the squad and being financially sustainable? 15 players signed since the window opened and it was already a high wage bill before Pierre signed. Now, this man has put a, or man or woman, not too sure he's behind this uh, behind this account, the screenshot of annual wage bill for 21, 22, 22, 23, 23, 24, which is going up every year. Um, there is a, a web address underneath, but I'm not sure how accurate these figures are, but uh, I'll throw the, the question over to you all. How does it fit into bringing down the average age of the squad and being financially sustainable? Well, it doesn't fit into bringing down the average age of the squad, of course. In terms of being financially sustainable, the only thing I'd say is we don't actually know what he's being paid and we don't actually know that the annual wage bills increase in year on year. I, I know there's these figures. I'm literally I'm looking at the tweet right now. Um, I, we see I, a lot I, of this, don't we, from clubs online who sort of say, oh, X is being paid this and X is being paid that. But I don't think anyone truly actually knows unless you know that person, you've seen their contract. You know, you yeah. might get you might get an overall figure of a, a yearly wage bill in um in the annual reports that are released at the end of the financial year yeah, yeah, for the yeah, previous yeah. year. But I think it's it sort of takes certain things with a pinch of salt. I'm sure, you know, some of it, there's a bit of truth in some of them figures. But, yeah, we see this in a lot of clubs all the time, don't we, that they're not I, I am, always I am on the nose. Yeah, I am reluctant to comment on on something that I don't know where it's come from and I don't know how accurate it is. So, you know, I mean, the only thing I can say about Aaron Pierre is I, I, this is based on absolutely nothing but pure conjecture, in my opinion. Obviously, he's not at a club this summer. He's been playing in League Two. He's been released. 
Um, he's a free agent. It's obviously, clubs not lining up for him. And I often find that the cost of something is determined by the demand for it. And obviously, there ain't a lot of demand for Aaron Pierre, hence why he hasn't got a club. So I, I could be wrong. I don't know. But I can't imagine he's costing town the earth. Um, to come in and be some defensive cover. I agree with what they're saying about the wage bill. I suppose he's been, I mean, I, I don't wholly think it's the greatest addition in the world, so I don't want to stick up for it too much. Um, but I, I can sort of understand what they're saying about the wage bill. Um, sorry, not the wage bill, the average age. Um, but I suppose he's just cover, isn't he? He's just cover. Yeah, he's not going um, to. He's on a short-term one. contract. He's he, he's literally there for worst-case scenario, isn't he? That you know, two more centre halves. How much he will actually play? I mean, I'd be surprised if he played. Even if two centre halves did get injured, I could see Carl Winchester going and playing at right centre back, or even maybe Elliot Bennett, or or or, or, or somebody else. You know, um, but we'll just have to see. Yeah. Other question we've had is from uh, all the oh sorry Paul Seven at all the seventy sevens. Um, why do we typically start the second half of games under pressure? Um, I'm not sure. I thought so. I don't know whether you saw last week, Johnny. While you were where were you on holiday, by the way? I was in Jersey last week, mate. Sunning up in Jersey. I mean, it was cold there, wasn't it? No, it was lovely, mate. Shorts, weather and all. Not like back here. I've got like, oh, like four layers on in my own kitchen at the moment. <laughs> um, well, it's freezing in the office today, <laughs> as you would probably expect. The heating's broke. Um, so what was the question again? I've forgotten. You distracted Why me do you, Why does that usually start second half of games under pressure? Oh, yeah. So yeah, I don't really the scene last week. I, I asked Matt Taylor about the players' fitness. Um, it's never really been something that I've, I've agreed with. But there's a, there's a school of thought out there that the players aren't fit enough. Um, so I asked him about that and he says that's absolutely not the case I see the data every day I see how far they're running so he's kind of kiboshed that that kind of um, ruling um, so I don't think it's because the players aren't fit enough and I do actually think that over the last few weeks that's kind of changed um, we've scored they've seen them score you know I thought on Saturday I thought they were good for the first 15 minutes after half time. Um, I thought they were bright. They had a few chances. Jason Schreiber bent, bent one over, and then he had a header that went over, and they went close on a couple of times. I thought they started the second half well. I thought they were just better in the second half. And then they scored a late goal. And, this, and, and Northampton, I mean, I don't think they did a, a great deal against Northampton in general, to be fair, um, in the whole game. Um, but I feel as though that kind of second half, I mean, I asked Mickey Moore about it and that was a month ago, but at one stage, the second half conundrum, as I started calling it, was a real problem where, you know, we hadn't scored a goal in the second half and we'd conceded loads. Um, but it, I mean, I don't want to put the mockers on it, but for the moment, it seems as though it's kind of resolved itself. Um, you never know. Um, but there was a trend in there. Um, but for the moment, I, I, I don't know. I thought it was real positive how we kicked on in the second half and came on strong last weekend uh, against Cambridge. So, yeah, those would be my thoughts. I don't know what you think, Jack. Jack, if you have a bad second half on Saturday, you know exactly where to look. Ollie has definitely just put the mockers on that one. Yeah, take time. <laughs> Fingers be pointing straight away. Um, yeah, so the fitness one's an interesting point. Again, being totally honest, earlier on in the season, I was a little bit concerned, maybe too strong. But again, I think it was the Lincoln game. 
Um, and a, a game, a similar-ish game around that period of time where it did look after about 60 minutes like the players were flagging. I will I will say that that, or just from, from the eye test, that seems to have improved in recent times. Um, so I think, or my personal concerns about that have alleviated a, a little bit based off that. Again, in terms of coming under the cosh um, early on in the second half, trying to think back to goals that we've conceded, like you say, most were have been in the second half. I, I just saw a stat yesterday on Twitter, which we're one of only about seven clubs in the country that are yet to concede in the first 15 minutes of a game or something like that, which I wasn't expecting to see. Um, so again, that would back up the fact that we do tend to start better than, than we do um, in the second half. Yeah, I think the fitness, you know, Matt, Matt's comments about that last week um, have... Well, they were good to hear, put it that way, at least it's good. Again, if he would come out and say there were any concerns, I don't know. But even if they're even if they're worried, the fact he's come out and said that for my personal peace of mind has been good. Um, hopefully we'll see us, like I say, get stronger. And I think when we start getting players back from injury as well, you know, making those substitutions and um and being able to bring on fresh legs in the second half should have a big impact as well. You know, your likes of Thorpe coming back, we've discussed him and his directness, Sobawale, Shipley. Um, the, the forwards when they get more fitness, hopefully that will start to to help us out with it as well. But yeah, I wouldn't say it was a, a huge concern of mine personally, um, and I've certainly seen improvements in recent games from from earlier on in the season as well in that regard. Yeah, right, guys. Thank you very much for your time. Finally, Derby on Saturday, big, uh, big, um, big game, tough game. Jack will come to you first. Just snap, would you snap, snap your hand off for a point? <laughs> I would. Ollie, take a point, wouldn't you? Keep the run going. Yeah. Are you going to be greedy and go for three? Oh, I mean, I'd always go for three. I mean, I'd prefer three, but you know, I'd uh, I'd, t- I'd take a point. I yeah. would. I think it'd be a good point against Derby, even though I don't think they're in the best form in the world. But um, you know, it'd be good. It'd be good to see the, the meadow busy. It'll be busy, won't it? You know, because uh, obviously Derby will Big sell out their occasion, yeah. and you usually get um, you know, big attendances when we play those kind of clubs. So yeah, be yeah. really looking forward to it. Should be a good afternoon. Ollie, thanks for your time as always. Jack, really appreciate you coming on. It was great to have you on the pod. Hopefully come back again in the future. It's really interesting to get a fan's perspective on stuff. Hopefully you'll come back on when Salah have won about four or five in a row when we can really yeah, talk thanks, about James, some, yeah. some positive yeah, stuff. Yeah, no yeah, worries. Salah. Love, love to come back if possible. Yeah, not a problem at all. Not a problem at all. Salad fans, thank you very much as always for listening. We'll be back next week. Um, there's a midweek game next week, so it'll be after that. But enjoy your week. Enjoy your weekend. Hopefully you pick up a good result. And until next time, from Shoes Roos, goodbye. <laughs>